0: i you For years, everybody on the left and a lot of people in the middle and frankly some people on the right have been waiting for the day that Donald Trump gets a federal indictment. Did it feel like it was supposed to feel? Did it feel the way you thought it would feel? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about all the crazy different directions that this can go from here that nobody else is talking about. We're going to talk about those. And then on top of that, once we get through all the Trump indictment news, we're going to talk about new economic data that shows that inflation has cooled the half. Of what it was this time last year, and how that could potentially uh, affect the 2024 race. This is Majority 54.
1: Well, Jason, what (laughs) do we have to talk about today? Is there anything, anything happened this past Uh, week? Just a little
0: bit. You know what I've been thinking about all week. I've been thinking about. Do you remember? I don't remember who made it, but there was a video that was made probably three years ago, and it was like it was before now, where like deep fakes and AI are so easy to do. I guess for people. I, was it the last scene from I don't know what movie it was where they were just hauling people away where like there was there were federal raids and and they were just and the video just transposed the faces of Trump administration officials on all these. And then the last one was Trump and it, it was out of a, it was a good I think the end of Goodfellas maybe I don't remember. But this I don't this video was everywhere for a while but it would like you'd watch it and it would be like this little moment of satisfaction and then followed by this letdown because you're like none of that's ever going to happen. It kind of feels like that's sort of maybe coming to life, Ravi. Is that what's happening? I I was thinking about
1: this right now. The two most likely scenarios for Donald Trump's future are to either be the next president of the United States or to spend the rest <laughs> of his life in federal prison. That's I'm not making yeah. like this. I'm not I'm not exaggerating. Like I those mean, you, are the you two talk most about, likely options for this person.
0: I think it would be fair to say that this is the most important election of his lifetime. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> we always say of our lifetime and it is, but it's Look, definitely the most important election of his lifetime.
1: I don't I don't even know where to begin on this one. It I'll just start by saying this is the worst-case scenario for this indictment and even the Republicans yeah. are saying this. If you listen to, you know, Bill Barr for example, didn't mince words and you know, not exactly the most even-handed guy basically said, yeah, this guy is screwed. And you'll notice that there is no Republican denying the allegation here. They're only trying Mm -hmm. to spin it and create false equivalency with Hillary and create false equivalency with Biden. Let's dispense with that quickly since this is majority 54 and people have those people in their lives. At no point did Joe Biden or Mike Pence, for that matter, refuse to cooperate with federal authorities. And we have no evidence that Mike Pence Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden had nuclear secrets or information on, you know, the vulnerabilities of the United States and our allies, et cetera, or that they shared this information with their aides and bragged about it and talked about it, you know, like Trump did on audio, apparently, where he admitted that the documents were not classified, which is basically giving away his entire defense, right? So- Not, de- not de- no declassified, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Declassified, and, sorry.
0: Uh I mean, one of the things I believe was a, a plan of attack: how we would proceed if we were to attack Iran. The sort of thing you'd want to keep a secret from, I don't know, say Iran. Uh, but, but uh, here's the: I will, I will reiterate for people because they're going to run into this in, in conversations in their life. I will reiterate for people what I think is the best analogy to use here, which is: I would just ask somebody. I'd say, "Have you ever gone into a store and you, uh, you know, you paid for your stuff?" But you didn't realize that there was something in your cart that didn't get paid for and so as you walked out the thing went meh, meh, meh. or sometimes sometimes it's just that the uh the the cashier doesn't remove that little thing and when you're paying for it they forget and then this happened to me two days ago in a cvs and as i walked out the cashier goes oh you're fine and you keep walking right well the, yep. the analogy here is that like mike pence and joe biden uh they and uh, you know, I don't remember who else was on this list but you know they they went into a like a TJ Maxx all right and they paid for their items and then as they were going out the little the little thing went off or maybe no let's let's go farther than that the thing didn't go off and they got to their car and they realized that there was an item that was in their bag or was in their cart, but didn't make it onto the register and they didn't pay for it. So then after noticing this or no, let's go further. Let's say they got home. Okay. Let's make it a perfect analogy. They got back to their house. They're going through their stuff and they realize, oh, uh, I forgot to pay for this. So they go back to the store and they return it because they didn't pay for it. Now, Donald Trump walks into the same TJ Maxx and he pays for like five items, but he sticks five more in his cart. And then he goes out and the thing goes, Beep. And then he runs to his car. And then he gets in his car and he guns it, right? And they're trying to chase him out of there. And then like the police call and they're like, Hey, uh, we heard that you shoplifted. And he's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't have any of that stuff. I never even been to TJ Maxx. Like, that's the difference here is that you know, the others were like, Oh, I'm not supposed to have this. Here you go. And he was like, I don't have this. And that's not okay. The obvious
1: question is what happens next? And Let's start with this judge, Aileen Cannon, who is the judge that we believe is, will be presiding over this case unless she recuses herself. And based on what we know about her and her questionable impartiality, I, I wouldn't hold my breath that she's going to be presiding, that she's going to recuse herself in this case.
0: Is this the same judge who initially appointed like the special master or whatever? Uh, mm-hmm. for the she's discovery? the same one who was smacked so.
1: down by the appeals court. Basically, right. two out of three judges on the appeals court were Trump appointees and basically like, yeah, there's no basis in law for what you're trying to do. Um, and essentially, you make search warrants meaningless based on her previous mm. conduct. And this is somebody who's highly questionable. She has all sorts of tricks that she could use. She could delay this past the election. She could you know, grant certain motions to dismiss charges as they come. Now, all of those things are subject to appeal, but it's you know, Trump's best strategy here is to run out the clock
0: right also we, we should say they're subject to appeal but when you look at the at the standard of review not to get too legalese here but once a charge is dismissed by a judge the standard it's going to be way harder to get a charge put back in when a trial judge yeah. has dismissed it because the way our justice system is set up it's the idea is like hey if at the trial level it appeared you were going to get off uh we're not going to have a system where the appellate where it's easy for the appellate court to come in and reverse that. The standard, you know, for uh, like the reverse for the appellate court coming in and saying like, hey, uh, you shouldn't have charged this is a little bit lower. But to have the prosecution always has a higher standard, rightfully so.
1: Yeah. And so and this leads to some speculation, right? So let's start to game out certain possibilities here. So let's say possibility one is that Cannon is biased and it shows Mm -hmm. in the way that she she rules on certain motions, or how much time this trial takes, et etc. There is a fascinating article in The Atlantic by Ryan Goodman and Andrew Weissman, where they raise an interesting question, I think it's the most read article in the Atlantic right now, where they say, "Well, according to these taped recordings of, of President Trump, former President Trump, he was showing off some of these records, including like a you know, really important military plan to attack Iran that you talked about, et etc. At Bedminster, he took these documents to New Jersey. And (laughs) what Ryan Goodman and Andrew Weissman say is what's fascinating is that involves a different crime of dissemination, which was not in this charging document. So what they're saying is perhaps uh, Jack Smith is holding this charge in case Cannon shows herself to be biased, at which case he could then file a separate set of charges in new jersey that's a fascinating
0: i, I think theory. i think it's a great theory i think you can add to that theory that he might also be holding that charge back uh for the purposes of like negotiating with if if there's a world in which because we it doesn't seem there is right because like you said it's probably all or nothing but in, in a traditional case like this you would hold some potential charges back w- with the option of of adding charges later in order to incentivize the defendant uh to negotiate right um so but i don't know if that even applies here so but yeah. let's let's give people the short version of how strong this case is rather than give them because they've heard it on other stuff so we're going to go ahead and play the clip uh from Barr from this is trump's former uh, this was trump's attorney general talking about how dead to rights trump appears to be Well, it started out under the
2: presidential re- records act and and the archives trying to re- retrieve documents that Trump had no right to have, but it quickly became clear that what the government was really worried about were these classified and very sensitive documents. I was shocked by the degree of sensitivity of these documents and how many there were frankly. And uh, so the government's agenda was to get those, uh, protect those documents and get them out. And I think it was perfectly appropriate to do that. It was the right thing to do. Uh, And I think the counts under the Espionage Act uh, that he willfully retained those documents are solid counts. Now, I, I do think we have to wait and see what the defense uh, says and, and, and what proves to be true. But I do think that even half what Andy McCarthy said, which is if even half of it is true, then he's toast. I mean it's a, it's a pretty it's a very detailed indictment uh, and it's very, very damning. And, and this idea of presenting Trump as a victim here, a victim of a witch hunt, Uh, is ridiculous
1: so wow that was on
0: fox yeah he's in a bit of trouble he's in (laughs) a bit of trouble and and it's like you know i was thinking uh and and what we promised the the listeners at the top of this is that we're going to take this in a few different directions than they've heard on other shows and the first different direction is i just i don't want to spend a lot of time on this but i i think it's interesting to think about how donald trump as a person got to the point Where he could do this. Because as people have pointed out over the last few days, there have been numerous off-ramps in this thing for him. There have been so many opportunities. Like the government has bent over backward to try and give him opportunity after opportunity to just make it go away. To even after they knew he had probably lied, even after they knew he had taken stuff that he shouldn't have taken, even after they knew that, you know, he knew that he shouldn't have taken it they they really kept giving him opportunities not just to save face but to save his own butt by being like look just return him just re-, you know like just return him we'll, and he just wouldn't right and how how does a person get to the point where they are so sure that the law will never apply to them that they they won't take these off ramps and interestingly i think it just comes from being a person of privilege his entire life like he's just never had consequences so he can't see that the consequences are about to be real
1: It's the Harvey Weinstein effect, really, which is once Mm -hmm. you start to get away with it, under threat, right? You get you become more brazen over time. You know, it's what Weinstein was credibly accused, was able to beat charges, was able to stifle, uh, you know, people, you know, his victims. He was able to bully people. There were rumors swirling. He was able to overcome all that and continue to be a major player in Hollywood. And he just got more and more and more brazen until eventually his conduct caught up with him. And that's what we've got to hope is true for Trump here because the stakes get higher and higher and higher as he does what he's doing. Like, if we now fail to hold him accountable for this, then the standard that is set is that you can get away with this kind of stuff, which is as dangerous a standard as you
0: can imagine. It's, I don't want to go on and on about this aspect of it, but it's like, when you really think about it with for the average non-Hollywood person, like I didn't know who Harvey Weinstein was really before that stuff. It may have been a name I vaguely was aware of, right? So what that means is the public as a whole didn't really have like an entire lifetime of seeing Harvey Weinstein get away with stuff, right? And, be, and knowing it was like doing it in the Hollywood world. With Trump, we've been watching him get away with stuff for what, like 40, 50 years, right? And right. so when you really think about it, it is, amazing to me that this guy's not already a convicted felon like when which so of course like the whole world knew that he was doing shady real estate stuff the whole world knew that he was you know paying people off that he was doing all these things uh and yet it is amazing to me that this is the closest he has come yet to being a federally convicted felon um it's just kind of staggering that he's gotten this far and no wonder he thought he was invincible
1: I, by the way, so uh, for those who are on audio, we're showing like the, um, the court illustration sidebar. It amazes me that we have as a society are like, okay, you cannot take a picture, but you can draw a cartoon of a person, uh, a snapshot <laughs> yeah. of a cartoon. It's like, it's just, I just don't understand it. It's kind of like, it's
0: kind of like, uh, like, it's like the places where you still can't buy liquor on Sunday. Yeah, but like, it just but make any but sense. like, you're you're really close to the state line where you can go, you know, or like a dry county. It's just kind of some leftover stuff, so, I guess.
1: Okay, so so w- one scenario we've talked about is that Cannon delays this thing, the election plays out, right? So so we've got, and actually, I think whether Cannon delays this or not, these cases take a while. So mm-hmm. this thing is going to get dangerously close to the election, and there's there's the possibility that this trial doesn't happen until after an election that he wins? Like, at which case, Jason, mm-hmm. what, what do you think happens there? Did he just use his Justice Department to drop the charges? Uh,
0: yeah, I, I think like <laughs> anybody interviewing to be, look, there's two jobs that I know what the first question is when Trump is looking to choose these people. Question, or pers- job number one is attorney general, right? Which is, you're going to dismiss these charges the second you're sworn in. Right. Like that's pretty simple. Right. Uh, By the way, question two is you will be charging Joe Biden immediately. Right. Like that. So that we know what the first two interview questions are are there. Now, the first interview question uh, for a a potential running mate is obvious, which is uh, you'll be pardoning me if I step down. Right. Like like very, very simple. It's also the first question of every single Republican Candidate that will uh, at some point have to come and see him if it looks like he's not going to win uh, the race, right? Which is like, yeah. as, because they're all going to want his endorsement.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's the second scenario. And I would say, very likely scenario is mm-hmm. another Republican wins and right. they pardon him. And Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, who's now got way too many mentions on this podcast, was outside in the courthouse in Miami saying, This is the litmus test here. That mm-hmm. you you have to say that you're going to pardon Trump, and so it would be really it, fascinating to see how people in this race react to that.
0: We all kind of knew that was going to happen, but he was like, "I'll be the first to cause this entire this smart. huge chaos that is a, it makes it harder for our party to win the presidency." He's yeah, totally I mean, morally
1: bankrupt, like, but very smart campaigner. Uh, I talked absolutely. to Yang about this. Yeah, um, I had Yang on on a different pod the other day, and he, he was like, "Yeah, don't agree with Vivek Ramaswamy on anything, but game respects game. This guy knows what he's doing. He knows how to mm-hmm. to create a story uh, around himself, you know."
0: So let's let's talk about this. Okay, we knew that it was going to happen, right? We knew that this was going to become a litmus test in the Republican Party. No, I have a two part question that I want us to consider. One, is it even good? Po- like we we're assuming that it's. Uh, uh, well, okay, here's my two part question. One, is it necessarily good politics in the Republican primary to say you're going to pardon Trump, we should consider that we shouldn't just assume it. And then depending on the answer to that question, how bad are the politics of that in the general election? Is it something people actually vote on? So let's start with question one. What do you think if you were just a craven Republican, if you were Vivek Ramaswamy, Do you think this is a wise, well, let's not use him as the example because he needs to get his name out there. If you're Nikki Haley, what's the right choice here?
1: I think you have to, and this is going to be a bit of a cop out. I think you have to choose one or the other. Either be really fast to say, and this is, I want to make sure people don't misread what I'm about to say. This is under your, if I'm a craven sociopathic. Obviously it would be wrong to pardon this criminal. Yeah. Yeah. Either you rush to do what Ramaswamy did, which is be like I'm first. I'm calling on other people to do it, so you could take credit even for them doing it. To be like I was the mm-hmm. one who called on everybody right. to do it. I pressured them. Or you do what Chris Christie and them. Did, and I think Chris Christie and Pence have been. I don't think they necessarily said I'm not going to pardon this guy, but they, it's implied by what they said that they're, um, not inclined to to see things favorably for Trump. Now what Haley has done. Is kind of, she said, Oh, this is not how justice should be pursued. The American people are exhausted by prosecutorial overreach, and I'm disappointed. Yeah, there's no constituency for that. Like, mm-hmm. so that's my take.
0: Yeah. I don't even think there is a third, you know, the question is, is there a third place to go? Is there a place to go that's like, look, I, I respect the justice system, I'll respect the outcome, uh, but uh, I will be open to a commutation that makes it easier for the correction system to handle it i mean it's unreasonable to think we're gonna have secret service protection in a prison like but that's Mm -hmm. see i think that's too cute by half like i think that's the kind of thing that uh candidates get themselves in trouble with because then they get 500 more questions about like so it's like you're right you got to pick one or the other and and i guess your point is the reason you got to pick one or the other is because you just got to move past the issue you just got to be like yeah i answered that and Yeah. Which which segues perfectly into my second question, which is assuming that it is an option to just say, no, I wouldn't pardon him. That that comes from the assumption that voters don't really care about what happens to Donald Trump. They care about what happens to them. So is like, let's say Ron DeSantis says, yeah, I'd pardon him. Right. I don't He may have already said that. I don't know. Let's say Ron DeSantis says, I'd pardon him. Let's say Ron DeSantis is the nominee. Uh, Is that going to be an issue in the campaign? For persuadable voters, my thinking is it would not be. We would overestimate the value of it.
1: I think persuadable voters tend to like independence. This is not the only way you could signal your independence, but it's a good way to signal your independence, which is like, it just takes one or two issues to come, especially big issues, to come out of a primary. You could be extreme on a whole bunch of stuff, but then Mm -hmm. you could be like, look, I'm willing to stand up to my party. I will not pardon Donald Trump or I voters may even give credit for saying, I think Donald Trump acted irresponsibly. I said it from the beginning, you know, flag before party, yada, yada, yada. You don't even have to say you wouldn't pardon him. You could just be like, I was, I I criticized him, but you, Joe Biden, didn't criticize Hillary Clinton. That's the difference between us. Mm -hmm. Right now that's bullshit. What I just said, but that like is an effective message you could be super crazy on a whole bunch of other stuff but a lot of voters will be like oh yeah that guy calls it like it is you know mccain eventually mccain was a maverick for a while but eventually fell in that kind of category of where he he the amount of things he was actually independent on started to shrink and he just had this persona based on a couple of things
0: yeah okay so i think you're right like it's it's a, it's it's uh, talk about threading a needle, right, because you want to come into the general election looking independent, but you want to come into the general election. And I'd be fascinated to know how many Republican primary voters are actually when they're choosing between Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, that the issue that makes them decide it is what their view is on pardoning Donald Trump. It seems like a pretty small amount of people, right? And that's a world only in which Donald Trump can't be one of the candidates. Because if that's your top issue, you're voting for Donald Trump. You're not choosing between the others. I think it's right? more
1: vibes than anything. It's like, all right. Yeah. And this is Nikki Haley's problem, is the vibes. is like, ah, like you remember her abortion answer from last week? I It's yeah, like yeah. hard for me to even articulate what it is. And I think if you start going down the list and you're like, well, this I can't really explain what she believes on abortion. I can't really explain what she believes about Donald Trump and this pardon. She seems to talk out of both sides of her mouth. She was in the administration, seemed to praise him, then kind of didn't. It's unclear why she left. I'm not even sure like like what her story in this election is. That becomes a problem, right? Whereas mm-hmm. you could be like, "All right, Chris Christie, know what he stands for in this race." <laughs> you know, like Yeah. Like you need a story, right? And I I think this is like a really critical issue where – like this is what Obama did really well with the Iraq war, right? You take a salient issue, right, which is like unclear at this point how many people went to the polls based just on the Iraq war. I certainly supported him in large part because of that. But what he was able to do is say – I have shown independence and courage on this issue, and therefore you can count on me to do that on other issues. And therefore there's a story of me in this race that applies to other issues, which is yeah, what I think it, if you're a Republican, you want to do on this issue.
0: It was sort of, I, I knew it all along. You know, I, I for him, it was like, yes, I lack experience, but I have good judgment where the others did not, right? I saw right. what what other what the people with experience didn't see. So... Which, which is a little different from this. So, so, okay, so as the primary goes along, Trump's going to be in a trial or in these continuing legal proceedings. It's not like this question is going away. Uh, and so what I wonder is, is like, first of all, we should talk about the fact that I don't think any of that keeps Trump from potentially being able to run and win, right? Like, I'm still well, not at the point where that's the case. For me. Well, we
1: have other cases going on. We've got the Bragg case, we've got T- Tish James, we've got Georgia coming down the line. And actually, Tish James was asked about this recently, and she said something I was a little surprised by. Um, let's go to this clip if we've got it.
2: The special counsel has asked for a speedy trial for this. Is, is this going to intersect with your case at all? How is everybody going to manage the calendar here?
0: So in all likelihood, I believe that my case, as well as D.A. Bragg um, and um, the Georgia case, Um, will unfortunately have to be adjourned pending the outcome of the federal case. Um, So it all depends upon uh, the scheduling of this particular case. I know there's going to be a flood, a flurry of motions, motions to dismiss, discovery issues, all of that. So it really all depends. Obviously, all of us um, want to know what this judge, Judge Cannon, is going to do and whether or not she's going to delay um, this particular case. Are are you concerned about that? um, I think everyone is concerned about that. Um, So obviously, it will depend upon the scheduling.
1: So she's essentially saying, Jason, you probably know more about this from your experience, that they defer to federal uh, prosecutors when scheduling. Uh, which I mm-hmm. find interesting, which means that, assuming Cannon's acting in good faith, is kind of what James is saying, they'll kind of slow down the rest of these cases.
0: Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me. I think she's right, obviously, and it also means this is not going to end. Like Mm-mm. he, like there's a world, Ravi. There's a world in a world. There's a world where Donald Trump is elected president then convicted on many, many counts of a federal crime, then sentenced, right? Because then you've got your, like at first he's, there's a world in which he's convicted prior to the election and then he's in appeal and he's, and he's out on his own recognizance during that period, prob, possibly on house arrest or waiting appeal. Uh, but so then you start on house arrest as, as president, right? And then you got to ask the question, does a house arrest take place at the White House? is that house arrest take place at Mar-a-Lago? you know And then you've got Trump out there going, yeah, it's. I've been president before. I can tell you that the entire presidency is house arrest. That it's it's all a prison. There's no difference, mm-hmm. right? And then then you might have him. I guess
1: I would say his presidency is, is prison for all of us. Honestly,
0: right? <laughs> but like, but that's if I were him, that's what I'd say. I'd say I can do this job from prison. It doesn't matter, well, right? He, <laughs> here's
1: a here's a rather complicated scenario. Let me throw it your way. Donald Trump gets convicted of the federal charges and at least one of the state charges before the election mm-hmm. he loses the election or loses the primary a republican wins pardons him on the federal charge but there are also state charges they can't they can't pardon him on those
0: and let's say the one he's convicted on convicted on is georgia where you're a republican governor and now all of the attention also, in the world turns yeah. to brian kemp who could pardon him who probably won't. Uh, I mean, it's, I did not think that this could get weirder living through the Trump in politics era, but it is getting weirder. And so I have one more scenario for us to talk about, but we should probably take a break first and then come back and talk about this other Trump scenario. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, when you think about it, there's like, when you think about how much time you spend on you in a week versus how much time you spend either on others or just keeping up with stuff. Like let's say just email, like you're just trying to keep up with your email. I mean, how many times do you say to somebody like, Hey, I got my email inbox down to 50 or maybe even down to zero, but like how much time you put into that versus the amount of time you get to stop and say, okay, what do I need to do to focus on what I need in this moment so that I can be productive for other people? Well, part of that is self-care, and part of that is therapy, and that's where our sponsor BetterHelp comes in. As is well known, I wrote a book about it, and I've talked about it a lot on this podcast and in a lot of places, uh, I've benefited a lot from therapy, so I am that guy. Who is always telling people like, "Have you thought about therapy?" Um, you know, I kind of evangelize about therapy uh, the way other people evangelize about like, I don't know, yoga or keto. Uh, I evangelize about therapy, and and this is a way for you to try therapy. Either either if you've done it before and you know like you're in between therapists, this might be a good way, or you live in a rural area where it's more remote, this might be a good way, or you've never done it and it's a good introduction to it. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Uh, you can find more balance with BetterHelp. You've Visit BetterHelp.com/m54 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P.com/m54. Sleep is incredibly important in my household, which is why I love my Helix mattress so much. Uh, you know, I have made an interesting evolution of sleep in my life, which is that when I was in the army, I could sleep in any position on any surface at any time because I knew sleep was at such a premium, so I could just do it. Uh, and then I got out of the army or I got back from deployment. And like, as has been well documented, I had trouble sleeping often. Uh, And then I got to a point where, okay, I I went to therapy, I got post-traumatic growth. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to sleep. And then now I'm like totally spoiled when it comes to sleep. Like now, like I want to be at home with my mattress. Like when I go travel, which I do sometimes for work, I, like the first thing I do when I come into a hotel room is I check the mattress. It pretty much never lives up to my expectations. And I'm just, I am mean, obviously I'm, most excited to get home to my family. But it's not as far behind my family as you would think is my mattress, which is that I just want to get home to my Helix mattress and get that good night's sleep. It's good on my back. You know, I took the quiz when I got my Helix mattress that gave me the exact kind of mattress for me, which is a midnight luxe with a medium firm feel because I'm a side sleeper. You can take that quiz and you can get something that is tailored just to you as well. So don't take my word for it. Helix Sleep has over 12,000 five star reviews. And by supporting Helix, you are allowing them to support this show. Go purchase your Helix and thank me later for your best night's sleep. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com majority54. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Okay, this is my last scenario that I want us to run through. And it starts with this premise that we've been working off of for a long time, uh, which is that there's a possibility if Trump falters in the primary, if Trump you know for whatever reason uh you know just looks early on like he's not going to make it that he goes and runs as a third party candidate and i think he's even made allusion to this right which gets all of us on the left very excited mm-hmm. right like like we get very excited about this possibility because we know it would divide the right and we'd be extremely likely to win the election um so uh, my question is does this make it more or less likely that that happens i think i can make an argument for either one but Ravi, what do you think? Yeah,
1: I just think that like he's in such solid standing right now in that primary that something really crazy would have to break really late. Um, so I don't, I don't think that's in the cards now. I think that the the most likely scenario for Trump, if he were to lose, would be that it would happen really late, like, like. He's winning in the polls almost like Obama, Hillary, but even more aggressive. Where like Trump is winning nationally, all that. He's not paying enough attention to Iowa. Somebody, Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy, I don't know, somebody comes out of nowhere in Iowa because they've been doing really good work in Iowa, wins Iowa. They become a subject of the national attention. And then it leads to a cascading effect where there's some latent frustration of Republican voters over Trump's behavior and his electability that explodes in the next few states and it catches Trump off guard. That is the only way he loses here unless, I actually don't know what the unless is. I think that's actually the only scenario where he loses the primary. It would have to be that kind of sequencing.
0: So assuming that happens, then you have the question of whether or not he is more incentivized to back the Republican candidate because he wants that, uh, that pardon or is it smarter, and I think it is, to go ahead and launch an independent candidacy, see as leverage if for he the pardon. as yeah. leverage for the pardon, and see yeah. because then it's no lose, right? Yeah. You launch your independent candidacy, and you're like, hey, uh, maybe it works. Maybe I maybe I have a chance, but but really, if once once he says, hey, because. A normal, rational person's instinct would be, I got to do everything I can to make sure that the right stays uh, united and that, you know, the Republicans win because it's my only way to get a pardon. But a Trump type person goes, I could do that at the last minute. I could endorse you. I can endorse the Republican with a few weeks to go. Uh, And as long as I have this independent candidacy hanging out here, that's a threat. So. Yeah. I actually don't know which way it goes. Um,
1: yeah. I don't know how how easy it is to get on the ballots, but all he would need to do is get on enough ballots in swing states to be yeah. dangerous. One clarification courtesy of Brett, so Georgia has an interesting pardon and clemency law. So Georgia's governor does not have pardon power. That power is given to a five-member state board under Georgia's constitution. Members of the board of pardons and paroles are appointed by the governor and confirmed by the Senate in staggered, renewable seven-year terms. So, pro- hopefully less politicized, who knows,
0: but, mm-hmm. so- I think they'd still pardon him, frankly. I think they're, <laughs> I think- <laughs> Yeah,
1: I don't know, nothing, no offense to those people. You never know, like, you know, this is the state no, that gave know. us Rafsenberger, you know, yeah. who is an elected official who was able to stand up to Trump. So, you never know. Okay, Th- this whole saga, Jason, reminds me of, I- I'm in the middle right now of brainstorming a movie with a friend of mine, where I had this idea, I was like, I grew up in Staten Island and it's an island. But it's, mm-hmm. it, it, to our knowledge, is not surfable. There's no waves to surf. And I was like, I, w- I wanted to create this movie called Staten Island Surf Club, where there's a group of kids growing up and they're like in search of like a mystical surf break that exists in Staten Island that <laughs> is like stuff of legend, right? Which there is a legend that there is a surf break in Staten Island. And we're hung <laughs> up, the reason why we've never written this movie is we're like, we have to create the stakes, right? Like, what are the stakes, why yeah. do they have to surf this? Like, is there is there some sponsorship from Hurley or, Whatever, like some reason they need to get money to help their mom with their mortgage or something, right? Like there's like all these tricks you can have, right? But they all just don't seem believable, right? In the world of writing the script of the 2024 election, <laughs> there just could you couldn't write bigger stakes. Like it's all on the <laughs> line here for everybody. <laughs> it's on the, Biden is personally on the line. Trump's personally on the line. The democracy for sure is personally on the line. Like. Planet, probably all of us. It's it's all in there. It's all in. We're all in twenty twenty four. It's just all in for everybody involved.
0: This is, by the way, what it's like in other countries when you're worried about a change of power, whether through an election or or otherwise, right? Like because it's always all on the line. Like it's not a consequence free exercise to back one candidate over another in most countries uh, on this planet because well, how the create- consequences yeah. are great.
1: It's how you create lasting psychological damage. I was just reading about this from the perspective of child development. Whereas like, how do you create really screwed up kids? It's it's not if you're just mean to them all the time. It's actually if you, if you are really, really nice and then you're really, really mean and you just don't know what's coming. And I think that's our country right now where I'm like, oh God, we got Biden. I can relax. And then two years in, you're like, oh my God, this guy's not gone. Now it's not just like another election with Trump on the ballot, but it's now a supercharged version of it where like- if he wins, it's going to be a revenge tour where none of us are safe. Like, it's just like, you just can't relax, you know? It's
0: like, wait, emperor palpatine was out there organizing things behind the scenes the whole time here we go movie number nine like we don't need to explain why and it's it's uh very difficult to deal with the ups and downs so yeah it's um, like the
1: first batman movie with christian bale where he like the scarecrow guy he like beats him and you're like whoa there's like 30 minutes left in this movie where could this be and then like you realize the guy behind the guy and you're like oh lord this, this city can't rest poor gotham
0: <laughs> <laughs> Poor Gotham, we're we're living in it. That's us. We we yeah. are living in it. All right. Uh, so you want to talk about inflation?
1: Well, let's take one more break before we talk about inflation. Okay. So we got we got one more break before we hear from our sponsors, and then we're going to talk about some really good news for Biden. This guy's like secretly hitting it out of the park in so many different ways, and we'll talk about one of them when we come back. <laughs>
0: Cold turkey may be great on sandwiches, but there's a better way to break your bad habits. We're not talking about some weird mind voodoo from your wacky neighbor or some sketchy message board. We're talking about our sponsor Fume, and they look at the problem in a different way. Not everything in a bad habit is wrong. So instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative award-nominated device that does just that. Instead of electronics, fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, fume uses flavored air. And instead of harmful chemicals, fume uses all natural delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, giving your fingers a lot to do, which is helpful for de-stressing and anxiety while breaking your habit. Join fume in accelerating humanity's breakup from destructive habits by picking up the journey pack today head to tryfume.com and use code MAJORITY to save 10% off when you get the journey pack today that's try fum.com and use code majority to save an additional 10% off your order today. Breathe some life
1: into your own backyard with fastgrowingtrees.com this spring. From shade to fresh fruit to privacy and natural beauty, let fastgrowingtrees.com help you plant your dream garden and their expert advice and fast reliable shipping. Uh, fastgrowingtrees.com's plant experts curate thousands of easy to grow plant, shrub and tree varieties for your unique climate. <laughs> unique climate, I don't know. Why that's so hard for me to say meyer lemons to evergreens and everything in between happy plants happy home right but sometimes it's hard to know which plants will do best no problem because with fastgrowingtrees.com you get customized recommendations based on your specific needs plus their plant experts are always available to help you keep your plants growing healthy through the season and beyond and no more waiting in long lines and hauling heavy plants around with fastgrowingtrees.com you order online and your plants arrive at your door in just a few days I'm sitting here in my brand new apartment right here and over on the side of me over here I got a couple of fast growing trees over here so it's not even for people just to have backyards Uh, if you have an apartment they have a ton of different things I put a ficus tree in here and I love it everybody who's been in my apartment has complimented me on it Um, and with fast growing trees 30 day alive and thrive guarantee You'll know everything will look great fresh out of the box and give you a little bit of an insurance policy there. So we join over 1.5 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers. Go to FastGrowingTrees.com 54 now to get 15% off your entire order. Get 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com slash Well, Jason, some good news. Inflation data for May just came out. And the consumer price index rose 4% last month from a year earlier. So uh, the, this is well below the recent peak of 9.1% last June and down from April's 4.9% number. And basically, as we're recording, the Fed announced that they are not going to be pursuing a rate hike right now. They signaled that more will be coming. But uh, this seems like a potential turning point. You never know with this kind of stuff, but a potential turning point. And when you couple this with the fact that Biden successfully warded off, The debt ceiling debacle, he's he's just one step at a time making the right decisions here to set up the economy for the future. And, you know, relevant to the conversation we just had, put himself in a solid foundation electorally, because obviously we all know the economy plays such an important role in the election.
0: Yeah. When's the last time somebody talked to you about inflation? Like just a regular everyday life. It's has it's a, a while One of those things,
1: me. like the border thing, last, it was the last week or the week before we talked about the border, which is, it's almost like you're just taking an arrow out of the quiver of the Republicans, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just like, they want to be like Biden inflation or whatever, or the Biden border crisis. And now they're like, well, you can't talk about that. You can't talk about that. So now what else you got? And like the key is, it's almost like in a sports, like if it's like, Two teams playing against each other, you want to take the plays out so that they are left with their worst plays. And that's kind of what happened in the last election when they were like closing on crime. And then the voters are like, hmm, the story you're telling on crime, I might even buy your premise that there's too much crime, but I'm going to put a different spin on the ball. They were left with like, you know, one of their least effective arguments.
0: Yeah. And what I think is interesting about, and immigration is a good one to bring up, is the difference between the two politically, right? Because as we see every September, October of an election year, they start talking about the border. It doesn't really matter what's happening at the border. They, they can just start talking about the border, they can start talking about immigration, because the vast majority of Americans don't feel what's happening at the border. And so therefore, don't have their own independent barometer to know whether that stuff is real or not, right? If it keeps appearing on Fox News, and and, and then if, if MSNBC keeps having to talk about the BS that Fox News is saying, then it feels like a border crisis. And if you don't live at the border, you don't know the difference. However, when I think about uh, you know, Dr. Oz going to the grocery store and trying to say stuff costs too much and using terms nobody knew. And then every candidate in the midterms talking about inflation that worked that time around because people were like, yeah, stuff costs a lot. And they would conflate things like, oh, yeah, gas prices are high, right? Like, but if things and this is a huge if if in September, October of 2024, the economy is anything like it is now, it is a lot harder to create a phantom economic problem. We know that they're going to create a, an immigration fictional thing, or you know, if even if there's nothing there, I think it's a lot harder to do with the economy, and that's why it's always the economy that seems to swing things because people have their own perspective on it.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you know, the, the, you could never count it, you know, count them out in terms of just fabricating a, a whole thing out of nowhere. Sure. but it just you just got to make it as hard as possible for them to do it. You know. And it's
0: not like they can't talk the economy into a recession, right? I mean, heck, they demonstrated yeah. they were almost willing, they almost legislated us into a depression, right? Like through the debt ceiling. But yeah. but they're certainly willing and probably will try to go out there and talk consumer confidence into a recession. But I'm just saying it's such an objective measure. Like, True is nine and we were getting gas two days ago and he's sitting on the bed of my truck, you know, watching the gas go into the truck and, and he's like dad this is like 30 dollars less expensive than it was last time i watched you do this and like if my <laughs> nine-year-old <laughs> yeah i mean you know he hasn't seen me gas up the truck in quite a while but like he remembers and so if he's picking up on that difference then it's not yeah. going to be it's not something you can just snow people on right so i right. think this is enormous news i mean we just talked about all this stuff about how the trump indictment affects the 2024 election all this this thing this undercard or whatever this afterthought uh of this particular episode is probably the thing that's going to have the greatest effect if it stays on course
1: yeah and there like anything else there are different scenarios here right the best scenario for biden is that unemployment stays low and inflation gets under control that's amazing right gdp growth Mm -hmm. all that that would be a plus, 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 nobody thought that would be possible. That would be the equivalent of what they call the soft landing, right? A very likely scenario is that unemployment goes up, inflation gets under control, and those two things are linked partially. Like the Fed, some people are accusing the Fed, I think with some evidence that they want to increase unemployment because then it decreases the price of services because then you have more competition for uh. Fewer slots in jobs, which means wages go down, which means the cost, like cost of services go down, right? Hopefully people follow what I just said. But essentially, but what that means is, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, Biden has always been stuck between a rock and a hard place, as has the Fed, because if you believe that there's some kind of link between employment and the cost of things, right, then he's either got to think, all, right, all right, like right, we're going to keep inflation, things are going to be more expensive for people, or there will be more people out of a job. Right. If he's somehow able to stick this landing and keep both low unemployment and inflation, I mean, they should we need to call it for Biden at that point. I mean, he deserves a second term if he's able to do that.
0: And it plays into how people feel. That's why their entire slogan is let him finish or or like finish the job. Right. Because it's like he's old. Just let him finish. It's fine. Let him finish. Like maybe you want things to be different. Maybe you want somebody younger. Maybe you want to turn the corner into a new generation. Things are okay. Let this let this dude finish. You know, Uh, if he was able to do that, that Jason, I'm
1: not no hyperbole. He he should be in the conversation for the most successful modern president. Like Mm -hmm. like probably most successful president and anybody who is alive today. Like probably or most people who are alive today. Right. Like like the. You'd have to go back to what FTR to say, like, or Truman arguably, like, most
0: like, impactful.
1: Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, of course. What, he, what, what he's able to do, like, so far. I mean, he's done so much.
0: Certainly, certainly for a single term, I think you could yeah. make that case. Cause, you know, yeah. who knows? I yeah. mean, who knows what happens yeah. in a second term. But all uh, right. right. Uh, second uh, second do you want to talk about Eastman?
1: You know, I don't have too much to say about this other than like the chickens are coming home to roost. You know, cue the Malcolm X clip, right? It's like so. Eastman was an architect of uh, Donald Trump's bid to subvert the twenty twenty election. He's an attorney, somehow is barred in California. I don't know how that's. I don't know enough about him, but. He's undergoing uh, a series of hearings at the California State Bar to lose his license, and it's like a who's who of crazy town Trump world are being called before this licensing uh, commission. Rudy Giuliani's uh, license was suspended in December by the D.C. Bar. So there's just like – it's a bit of a spectacle. Um, And so I just I'm pointing our listeners to it It's just like there's a bit of a sideshow going on here where maybe – you know yet another person is being held accountable this is coming as like certain key members of the insurrection um have uh, faced the consequences in recent weeks, something we really haven't talked a ton about. but like if we can just get some of these last pieces done, take strip him of his license, get Trump behind bars for his behavior, like this is the this is the healing process. We just need to finish it
0: yeah, and it's I would remind people super important in the long run because. If you don't have consequences for this sort of thing, it's going to happen again, right? Like people have to be held accountable. Now, this brings us all the way back a little bit to the first discussion, uh, because just before we came on air, Lindsey Graham gave an interview where he talked about uh, accountability. He talked about this indictment, but in the context of accountability for January 6th related activities. And I just think what he said is kind of funny. And I think it goes to what you've been saying, Ravi, about how wild it's going to be to watch Republicans over the course of this election. So let's check out that clip.
2: It seems to be selective prosecution. So President Trump has every right to defend himself. I think politically it probably makes him stronger in the primary. If the special counsel indicts President Trump in Washington, DC for anything related to January 6, that will be considered a major outrage by Republicans because you could convict any Republican of anything in Washington, DC. And I fear that's where this is going as sort of an
0: insurance policy. Okay, there's so much about this that I find interesting that I want to break down here real quick. Um, All right, first of all, uh, he is saying uh, that uh, you can convict anything, any Republican of anything in Washington, D.C. So there's two possible meanings there. One is washington dc is overwhelmingly democratic and a jury here is going to convict a republican of anything the other thing is is that i think and he means this also is that if you can convict donald trump of january 6th then you can convict half of congress of january 6th and so that's a big problem for us and we're all going to be like we're totally with trump because we realize we're all accomplices and if he goes down we go down too and then the other part of this came at the very beginning when he was saying it helps him politically. And I think that this is probably right because, and that's what Trump is doing is he's making it all about Biden. We saw where Fox News took the bait and did this chyron where they, Biden was speaking and they, and they called him a wannabe dictator who wants to imprison his political opponents. That's helpful to Trump because right now Trump is, yes, he's the leader of the Republican Party and he's the front runner in the Republican primary and he's a former president. But he's mired in a Republican primary and to be mired in a Republican primary is to be brought down to a level of equal and therefore beatable by other Republican candidates. So every day that as weird as it is, every day that Trump is fighting Biden's Justice Department, it is a day where Trump politically is elevated above everybody else in that primary, which I think Lindsey Graham is right, helps him politically.
1: Yeah. I, I think like, and politically in the primary. But the thing is, right. he probably going to win the primary before. So the question is, how does it affect him in the general election? And, and call me an idealist, but I think the last election shows that the cynics, like we should be skeptical of the cynics who say nothing matters. Because the electorate, I, there's a lot of credible evidence that the electorate looked at January 6th and these deniers and held him accountable and mm-hmm. there's no guarantee that's going to be true in the future but that's the only premise we can move forward with because like, there's if you're just going to be cynical then you shouldn't be listening to this podcast right why waste your time go listen to something else right so it's like you have to believe that sensible people in this country look at stuff like this and say no that has to be the premise that we operate from and i happen to believe it it's not even just like a trick like i do believe americans look at this and are like yeah that's absurd and it's harder to spin than anything else he's ever done. The Bragg stuff I think was really complicated. I was skeptical of a lot of that. This is different. Like, this is a clear crime that's not just any crime, but one that's really dangerous for us to let it go. And and yeah. I do think and, and January 6th is the same. And I also think that like what what Graham is saying, if you were to accept his logic, is that anybody can commit any Republican should then be allowed to commit any crime in DC because the right. jury because because like you have to try somebody in the jurisdiction that the crime occurred, which is why the other cases in Miami, right? You, you're mm-hmm. entitled to that. So which means that like what, what should just be impunity for Republicans in D.C. because there's a lot of Democrats who happen to live there? Bullshit.
0: It's like, did you see Lethal Weapon 2? Diplomatic immunity. That's what they want. Yeah. They want diplomatic <laughs> immunity in Washington, D.C. Yeah, no, that's uh, a good
1: point, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, my God. Well, okay. Um, should we do one for us?
0: Sure. Yeah. You. Uh, What's happening in ahead. your world? I saw you with uh, okay, a baseball
1: yeah, uniform on. I think on your your social, right? Yes.
0: I I have accepted a new. So I've been. You know, my season has started. It's going pretty well. Uh, but I, as of yesterday, I have accepted a new reality for me in athletics going forward. And you have to pardon me that I'm going to make a comparison that makes no sense. And I have no, but it's the only one I can think of, which is when I've watched, you know, great athletes, I'm not saying I am one at all. I think I'm a pretty good amateur athlete when I've watched like great athletes that you see on TV. Uh, and when they go on in their careers, you'll see them have flashes of, of their younger selves, right? So, like, I'm thinking of, like, uh, I don't know, Ricky Henderson or whatever, when he was like in his late 30s, early 40s, and he would, like, he would every once in a while go out and he'd have a game, he'd steal like three bases, and you'd be like, oh, he can still do it. And then he wouldn't do it for a week. You'd be like, why isn't Ricky stealing? And I just turned 42 and and I, you know, I, I play, uh, still play baseball. Uh, and we had a game uh, night before last where, it, I'm not going to get into all of it because it's pathetic to hear a guy who is 42 talk about <laughs> an amateur baseball game. Yeah, but but it me. was basically it was a tie game. And I I had a very good game and it was consequential in it. But it, it came down to me deciding I feel fast today. I've always that's been a big part of my game always. I'm pretty quick. And I was like, I'm gonna go just manufacture runs. Stole second, stole third, and then came home on a play that like I shouldn't have been able to get home on. Um and it was like I and it was like really and true was there and he was cheering and it was great and it made me feel really good and it was like for me i was like oh i can still do that and then 5 minutes later after i dove head first into home my back started to like oh, no. really hurt and swell up and then the next day like i had a lot of trouble and then i realized like oh I don't know if I can dive head first anymore without some consequences in my back. And now I have a game tonight. I've spent the whole day stretching. I just, I worked out this morning trying to get things loose. I don't know whether I'm going to be able to play, but it has given me an interesting perspective on like my favorite athletes as they aged and how like these superhumans of which i am not one how they chose to become the designated hitter as they got older to extend their career or like if you've ever been in a ball game and, and uh, somebody who's like you know a ball player who's 36 37 doesn't run out a ground ball all the way and you're like ah oh, you get paid all this money i have got a new understanding of that that i realize that if i want to play tomorrow I, I have a choice to make. I can go all out and try and help win this game right now, or I can preserve my ability to be available for the team tomorrow. And it's given me a new and unique and interesting way to watch some of my favorite athletes as they age.
1: Like LeBron. Yeah, LeBron famously is like conserves energy during certain quarters, takes certain games off, like he'll 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 show up but not show up, you know?
0: And people complain about it. Understandably, particularly yeah. people when, when the Lakers play on the road and people buy a ticket to go see LeBron and they're very disappointed that LeBron doesn't play. Uh, but this gives you a different way to look at it, right? Because yes, you missed the opportunity to see LeBron, but you preserved he preserved the the possibility that you will see LeBron have another great finals or or conference finals moment in the next year or so because he he knows his body and i think that's mm. i it was it's just an interesting uh thing for me and, and maybe something that's analogous for everybody as we age as we think about it particularly people with young kids and you want to go play with your kids like you got to pick your spots man
1: yeah i mean it makes sense well I, right, I what about I you can't wait to see you out there oh well like You know, I'm like a momentum person, especially when it comes to like cognitive tasks. Like, well, I have certain like weeks in a row where my head's in the gutter. And then I'll have certain weeks in a row where I'm like, you know, Bradley Cooper and Limitless. And I've like, I've been like on a streak lately. And yesterday was like the day where was like the most insane version of this, where I'm like going from like, I wake up early, I get a funder proposal out, I write like i'm I'm going from meeting to meeting all over. I'm like an Uber is going to Manhattan to go to this event Crooked's putting on for their podcast. and I'm like writing a chapter of my novel in the Uber, and then I'm going to this thing. I'm making these phone calls doing people's favors and i and like and I was just like, and i I, I forget this about myself, which is like I think one of the reasons why I was always good in school is that I have like a natural adderall that kicks in when I'm like when I'm concentrated you are and it and it will last you for a are the days.
0: opposite of it like if if if. If people <laughs> wanted to understand what ADHD is, they just should follow you around and be like it's the opposite of all of this.
1: Well, it's what's, what's interesting is I do have the elements of the ADHD. That's what I'm saying almost. It's like it's it clicks. Mm-hmm. And actually I've studied AD, I thankfully don't have like like clinically diagnosable ADHD, but like like there is a switch that you like the momentum matters. And yesterday was one of those days where I was like really Like and I've been like this lately for a while, we're really focused, but it makes me incredibly weird socially. So I showed up (laughs) to this event and I saw the Wonder Media people, hopefully they're listening to this, and they were next to the, basically there's a, I won't name the funder, but this is at this cricket event. They were next to this funder who I've been just dying to get in front of, and I've actually asked you about this funder, and I've been trying to get Mm -hmm. in front of them forever. I literally go up to the the wonder people and I'm like still in my like like crazy concentrated weirdo mm-hmm. mode, and I yeah. like say like five awkward things to them, and they were very nice about it. Uh, and I'm literally I introduce myself like multiple times to the same person from this foundation, and he's. <laughs> That's the worst. Like, what drug is this guy on? Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was just like, and I had my tennis racket on because of course I'm like in like my limitless (laughs) mode. So I had like a 10 p.m. tennis match because I had to get everything out of the day. Needless to say, this was the equivalent of me throwing my back out uh, after a good game, I was having a really great day, and I just absolutely ate it uh, in this conversation, and I've been kicking myself over it.
0: One of the underrated great things about having a podcast that quite a few people listen to is that when you have a moment where you attend, because I've done it too, where you attend a social event and it didn't go the way you wanted, and you feel like there's a pretty wide swath of people who ha- who felt like it didn't go a certain way, and you can't—it'd be awkward to somehow contact all of them. It's nice to be able to broadcast to the world the context of what was going on with you as you walked into that uh, that. Well, I did
1: send them multiple messages afterwards. I was like, hey, I'm really... Well, I didn't send it to the foundation because I don't know them. I'm hoping they forget they ever met me so I could reintroduce myself to them. But it was just like... It was one of those things where I'm like, oh, my God. Like... It's weird because I, c- I can either be like loose and like not focused and really fun, or I could be like super concentrated, and then I'm the equivalent of like a nerdy computer programmer who you should never bring out in public. And I just have never been able to bridge the two. So, yeah.
0: Well, I hope you feel better now. I hope this closed the loop on you or on it for you and uh, and for everybody who. Yeah, was if you're there.
1: listening from that foundation, if uh, if if that happens to be you, like please. By all counts, Every- reach out. To Ravi me. wasn't
0: on drugs. He was just high on being Robbie and it's, 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 it is what it is. All right. Uh, everybody remember to subscribe to majority 54, wherever you listen to audio podcasts, just search majority 54 and please leave a five-star review. Thank you to the Midas mighty. Remember we all have a platform. Make sure to use yours today.